Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us. I was just talking to my guest here, joining me here today, Paul Wheaton, and we were talking, we were talking like old school. We were talking about, you know, what it's like, what have we learned about how to thrive? What have we learned about growing things? He and I were just chit-chatting, which you're going to hear in a minute. But what if building a better world in your backyard instead of being angry at bad guys, like, right, like, by the way, building a better world in your backyard, that could take care of a whole lot of stuff. That could take care of anger, resentment, depression. I mean, honestly, this is really the key. If you talk to Linda about on her worst day, stress day, about what she wants to do most, she will go over to her sister's house and her brother's house and be in the garden. And her brother's got this gigantic garden. Yes, that is it. Why? Why is it? What is it about that? Also, my friend, you know, I can always tell when I'm, I look outside my window and wow, there's Annie. Wow. Like, what are we doing? We've got the beds growing. We got something growing. But what is it about this that Paul has brought forward in his book? What is this about a positive mindset? you know, creating a global difference, how to take where we are, we are sheltering in place. What is the opportunity right now for us? What can we do? But this is more than that. This is about solution. This is about good solutions. This is about possibilities. You know, this is about what it is we don't know, but you don't really need to be an expert like Paul to do. You, 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 we're, none of us are ever going to be like Paul. We're just not. <laughs> we're not going to be like him. But that doesn't mean we can't try. Paul, it's great to have you here. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Dr. Pat. Um, I was really enjoying some of the points that uh, you and I were coming up with before we started. And it's like, yeah. uh, I don't know if you want to touch on any of those or not. Boy, Let's those touch on it. Let's thoughts. touch on it. All right, look, you wrote a book. That's one thing. We're yeah. going to talk about book. We're going to talk about it. When people write books, sometimes it represents their life and it doesn't. This is a book which not only represents your life, but your passion, your purpose. This represents what you want to create in terms of helping people change. This is something that goes beyond an idea, right? But this is your passion. And that's what we were talking about before the, before the show. Let's talk about that. I agree that this has become my passion possibly even uh, arguably my obsession. Um, uh, and, and at first it was going to be like, let's just take a collection of bits and bobs to share with our, with our audience and get it into a book format. 
And then as we were writing it, we started, uh, my co-author and I, Sean, as yeah. we started writing it, we kind of got about five weeks in and said, you know, if we take the time to really do this right, it could potentially reach a hundred million people. And if it did that, then it would authentically change things for the better, dramatically for the better. And you mentioned some things that I, of course, I agree with because I wrote the book, but it's, it's like not really something we touch on in the book, but it's like, what does it do for your mental health to, to do these things? Like if, if you're, if you know what your carbon footprint is and is 30 tons and you get your personal carbon footprint down to negative 30 tons, you're covering all of your own footprint and somebody else's. Right. What does that do for your mental health? Um, and especially when we start hearing about some of the very serious problems that are going, that are coming around having to do with carbon footprint or petroleum footprint or toxic footprint, whatever the footprint is. And if you're able to say like, well, at least I know that what I'm doing has, uh, I've zeroed it out because I think a lot of people passionately believe that they are an environmentalist. And I think that they would be shocked and angry to find out that actually you've only cut about 4% off of your footprint. You, you thought you cut 90%, but it's actually closer to like 4%. And so let's find out, let's find the things that really make a difference and the things that we're told make a big difference and they really don't. And your book, holy cow. I mean, when I looked at this, right, and I started to go through this, I just knew you and I were going to have some fun. I just <laughs> knew we were going to really rock it here because uh, look, I'm not you. <laughs> I, I might, I might want to be you when I grow up. Right. But, but I'm not you. I mean, I look at everything, you know, and your co-author and I look at the way you're communicating this to people and I just love how you're bringing this down to a, let me just, this is, these are my words. You're bringing it down to a level that a fifth grader could not only understand, but say to their parents, hey, did you know dot, dot, dot? Because I think when we're talking about this, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to digress for a little bit, because I just got to bring this up. You know, we started a green channel over 10 years ago and we shut it down and we're going to bring it back an entire channel. Right. Um, my, I did talks. Remember, remember the day when we had all of those big uh, expos like go green and all of the giant hmm. expos where people would come and they would talk about what they had, what they're doing. I, they don't even exist anymore. Not a, I'm not talking about COVID-19. I'm talking about the fact that they have disappeared from the face of the earth. There's one or two. I'm in Seattle. So we get, we get green fest. We get some of those, but that's not the way it was when I started to do this 10 years ago. And so I would do talks on the 50 shades of green. And I would talk mm -hmm. about what we're going to talk about today in your book. I would talk about these things. And I want to ask you this question. Have we taken for granted what we think we're doing to reduce our carbon footprint? 
what have we done that's very different today that I believe probably is underneath the call for you to write this book? I, oh boy, it's like the answer to your question is going to take me um, several days to answer, but let me try and see if I can come <laughs> up with, oh, because you, you just poked a whole bunch of buttons for me. Um, don't hang up. Say, Whatever you do, don't hang up on the show. Uh, yeah. I would, <laughs> to me, it's like, and a lot of the stuff that's in my book is is written out of frustration. Um, no kidding. Right. I'm I, with you on that. I don't know if you saw my TED talk, but it's kind of like <laughs> I, I tried to express the frustration. And uh, and it's like the stuff that I, in fact, let me just take a, let me take a bold step here and ask you a question as yeah, part of my answer it. to your question. Go and for that it. is to say, you know a lot about the environment. You know a lot about being green. Did my book expand that horizon by a factor of 10 or more? Yeah, so, so here's what your book did. Okay, so I'm gonna answer your question. So my experience with the environment is personal. Mm -hmm. Anybody that grows up in New York and then moves to New Jersey and walks down the Jersey Shore will remember the day when you walked down the Jersey Shore as I did and stepped on a hypodermic needle. See, that, that's, that's me. That's why this is personal for me. Now, we don't talk about that because we don't have too many hypodermic needles anymore floating up on the Jersey Shore. At least I don't think so. But that doesn't mean that we've done what we need to do. Um, how about the Hudson? Okay, upstate New York. Wow, what's that oil tanker doing driving up the Hudson? And what's that? what are they doing? Are they dropping their doors and cleaning out their oil? What? Okay. So for me, reading your book reminded me of where I was in the activism world 10 years ago and where I need to be by the end of this year. So that's what it did. You you feel like you stalled at some point. I think that's. Oh my God. Are you calling me out on my show? Jessica, Jessica, help me. I feel like a lot of the information that we're given and we're told this is the environmental package is weak. And it's not just weak. It's really weak. And I tell you what happened. Here's what happened. But I'm going to tell you the remedy. You're right. You are so right about this. We have moved away from common sense ideas for everyday average people low-income people, not even middle-class people, because to be honest with you, anybody that is up in that like 100,000 buck or more range, you ought to know better. Uh-oh, don't send me the emails. I did just say that. <laughs> but, but really, I mean, we know better and you could spend a few bucks and get that dot, 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 right? But, but that's not really, we, every one of us needs to have a better perspective on what we can do, right? We have to have a different perspective. Um, here's what changed me. Uh, we launched a green channel. We have the ability in, our, in the network that we built, we have the ability to put up an entire channel with 100 hosts in 24 hours. That's our tech. We launched the green channel and we, we were charging a nominal amount to have hosts come on and do shows. And I call it green because for lack of a better word, that's what we say, 
That's what the public thinks. When you talk about environmentalists, environment, when you talk about anything that reduces the carbon footprint, people don't say, hey, come on to the carbon footprint reduction channel, right? But if you have a channel called Green or Green Talk, they might. Couldn't get anybody to do it. And I was shocked. And we put a lot of time and energy to really talk to people and say, and this was about five years ago, by the way. And, and we were like, come on, look, it's a nominal fee. We have to pay for a producer. But I didn't understand what was happening. And what happened was what we went through in 2008, 9, and 10. And it hit a lot of organizations. You know, Paul, you know this. It hit a lot of organizations really hard. So let me tell you what we're doing this year. We're starting two nonprofits, and one of the nonprofits is going to be to fully fund and pay for us to launch that channel, because that's the way we know. That's the way, Paul, I know how to contribute. I can't write a book like you wrote here, but I certainly can do some of the things in the book. So my answer to your question is, I have to do more. I know I have to do more, but how can I do more in what I know how to do? And how can I do more and what I don't know how to do? And that's what your book is about to me. I, I want to reframe what you want. How about that? I want to change your wanty stuff. <laughs> and, and it's like, you're like, I'm, you're saying, I'm ready to sacrifice. And, and what I want to do is say, look, I, I want to tell you some things. And you choose whichever path makes you happiest. I, I feel like so much of the environmental stuff that upsets me is about sacrifice. I, I don't want to sacrifice. Let me just correct you right there. Right. Okay. I am not going to sacrifice. I mean, let me tell you something. We know how to do things with a broadcasting network where no one has to sacrifice. Because when you do that to people, holy cow, it's crazy town. We, I was part of launching the initiative in New Jersey for the first recyclable event. You know what we had to do? We could not talk sacrifice. We created a character called the Purple Paper Eater. <laughs> no, I no, I'm not kidding. My graphic artist dressed up. We sent it to AT&T and we made the presentation and say, this is how we're going to get people to throw their, their plastic and their paper, their paper, not plastic at the time. They're going to, they're going to throw their paper in here. It's the purple paper eater, mm -hmm. right? Help me understand what, what my purple paper eater is today. That's, I, I think what you're saying is there isn't anything. There's, we, we have a lack of stuff. I mean, there are things that are kind of like, uh, I mean, we used to have Woodsy the owl and we used to have the, the, the weeping Indian who apparently wasn't actually an Indian. <laughs> but uh, uh, we... I don't know. Do we have a, a purple we have paper Greta. We have we Greta have right Greta. now. That's true. We have Greta. But what Greta has done, I talked about this in the last show, Paul, and I think you're really touching upon it. In, in, I think you touched upon it in your TED Talk, but also in, in, in your body of work. Greta is one person, but what Greta did, she inspired a generation. And last, in the last show, I read through the other kids that were inspired by her and what they were doing. Mm -hmm. I did an interview with Susan Huff and she brought on her five kids that are part of um, Walk for Water, right? 
Yeah. Um, and uh, a thing about Walk for Water, bringing potable water uh, based on the work of Simone Fu. But finish asking me your question. <laughs> well, I was somewhere along the line, I was trying to say, like, I, I very much wish for you to um, only choose those things that improve the environment and happen to make your life more luxuriant. And, and I love you. Choose love luxury you. first. And it's yeah. like, I think that my whole book, all of the book is probably, yeah. I don't know, 120 different little bits and bobs where every single one either provides you with a more luxuriant life or puts money in your pocket or both. I don't think there's anything yeah. in the book about sacrifice. Although I no. know there's a lot of people that are fully prepared to sacrifice a lot for the environment. But I, I do like speaking of Greta, Greta's message is very much like we need to be angry. And I kind of feel like go Greta, go. I'm going to go over here and try to tell people about ways that they can uh, solve this from their end. And then hopefully if I have a big, if I have enough people doing this and, yeah. and, and living a more luxuriant life, which happens to also do better for the environment, that all of the people that Greta's angry at will be defunded just because <laughs> we stopped giving them money. They're, they're, all their stuff will dry up and blow away and uh, Greta will be just shaking your fist at nobody. That's kind of what I, my strategy is here. Um, what can I do to lay out for you to have a more lu luxuriant life? And, and I kind of feel like, uh, in fact, if I'm going to pick just one thing to talk about if, in a limited amount of time, I'd have to say, I wish for people to become aware of the rocket mass heater. Now, and usually the first thing is, is like, well, a lot of people live in apartments. And I, I got to say, the first half of the book is for people that live in apartments or yep. it's about people that live in homes where they have yards, but it's about the stuff that has nothing to do with the yard, nothing at all. And then, and then some people say, well, why should I get it? Because the other half of the book has all this other information. And it's like, well, have you ever heard of a nuclear power plant? And, and it's like, well, sure, sure. I've heard of a nuclear power plant. And then they can tell you lots of things about, a nuclear power plant. And then I can say, well, do you own one? Look around, check your pockets. Do you own a nuclear power No, I don't own a nuclear power plant. <laughs> and yet you read about it and you know stuff about it. And so I'm kind of feeling like this, if you don't, if you live in an apartment, the second half of the book is stuff that I wish for you to know, just like you know about nuclear power plants. And, and it might not be something you're going to do today but it is a bunch of stuff that if it's in your head, you can talk to other people about it, just like you do with a nuclear power plant. You know, this is, let's talk about the book here for a minute, because what I love about this is you're right. I mean, I, I must admit one thing though. When I was younger, I was just talking about Larry Kramer, uh, passing in the last show. Um, and I was reflecting on a younger version of myself Right. If you can imagine me, a younger version of myself, right, in New York, protested probably once a week for something. But what Kramer did and what he did in New York to really shine a light of what was going on with AIDS um, and and people dying, it, it was just pivotal. It was just beyond belief. Right. But it's almost as if this is me now. It's almost as if. I in my day and age today, I do expect our youth 
to be angry. Maybe angry is not the word, but to be at a point where no mas, right? No mas, we're not going to do this anymore. And maybe it's not anger, but I do expect them to have that part of their vision at that age. Now, once the light bulb goes on and you say, oh, and by the way, I might be able to do this, this different in my own home or affect this. But what you're talking about in here gives people more than just an idea. It gives them an opportunity to change the way they're doing things in their everyday lives. You see what I mean? Everyday I do lives. see. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's the whole book. Yeah, is, is things that you can do for yourself to improve your own life. And by the way, it happens to, to take a big chunk out of your carbon footprint. And uh, a lot of people, I think if we ask most people today, like what would be the one thing that you could do that would reduce your carbon footprint the most? I would guess that most people would say something about buying a Tesla. Does that seem fair? Does that seem about right? What do you think is the, like before reading my oh, book? No, I, I am very clear about what mine is today. I am so clear about what mine is today I did a little rant on the businesses that are not allowing people to work from home. I, I just, I had a little moment on that. You see, we've created a new normal now. And what we've, what we've said is you people that are working from home, oh, by the way, very efficiently and productively, except for the people that are drinking at a 522% consumption of alcohol purchases, except for those folks, right? Um, but most of the time, you people are working on home, working on home. This is for real. You're working at home. You're not driving. You're also tutoring your children, helping them do online classes. So for me, my, my uh, what do you call it? My now, my wish genie in a bottle is, hey, why don't we let people to keep working from home? Not everybody. If you've got to go to a retail store, you've got to be in customer service. But what was so right, Paul, about people working from home? Why don't we I would, answer that question? I, I, I'm all for people working from home. Um, uh, I, I do think that there's a lot of good reason to get out. And, and um, I, yeah, I do wish, I mean, part of my book, I mean, I, I think it's chapter nine, uh, Deviant Financial Strategies. Yeah. I think that what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help people to guide them to early retirement and more specifically, like to contemplate what life do you want when you do retire? So you're yeah. talking about like people working from home and I'm kind of thinking like, what can I do to help them get to the point where they're um, uh, goofing off at home? Because I think right now a lot of people are very stressed. They, they <laughs> suddenly don't have a job, but the rent is still due and they yeah. got kids and stuff. And they're like, Oh, oh, wow. How am I going to pull this off? I need to pull a rabbit out of my head, but right now nobody's hiring. And, and they're mostly because they're not even interviewing because they're worried about the boogaloo virus. And so it's kind of like, all right, uh, uh, how do I solve this problem? I need money to pay for my car, pay for my mortgage and pay for food and pay for all these things. So I try to say, first, let's talk about what your what it looks like for you when you're retired. Yeah. And then I propose a shortcut. How do we get there in three or four years? So that way you can be free 
And then instead of like, like, what do I do to come up with enough money to pay my mortgage? That instead, it's like, what do I do to pass the time that sounds like a good time? And maybe eventually that turns into an income stream. Um, <clears throat> naturally, it's not for everybody, but early adopters, yeah. <laughs> Well, look at here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a short break and you are going to have the floor when we come back. Enough about me. When we come back, I want to hear the nooks and the crannies of what you've put in this book. First of all, it's fantastic, right? It's just incredible. But it really reminded me of something that we were talking about before, before we came on air. You know, some of the really cool things I did learn from my grandfather. And when we come back, I hope you'll share that story. I hear people say that wisdom is hard to find and a lifelong struggle to master. We live at a time where limitless wisdom is only a mouse click away. And as for mastery, there's good news here as well. Timeless wisdom has your back. The wisdom traditions know the truth of who you really are a limitless, magnificent, universal being. The ancient wisdom traditions are waiting to give you all the help you need. There is a beautiful Sanskrit verse, Padam Padam, step by step. This means that at every step, all the knowledge and energy you need is there waiting. You just have to take the next step. So remember, timeless wisdom has your back. Hi, I'm Sarah Main, creator of Conscious Confidence at Timeless Wisdom and host of Conscious Confidence Radio. Learn how to take your next best step with my Fuse program. Buy my book, Conscious Confidence, at ConsciousConfidence.com today and get started. What is a brilliant culture and how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you align your culture with your business strategy for exceptional results. Looking for a culture that drives organizational excellence? Listen to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the second and fourth Friday of each month at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit culturalbrilliance.com. Are you ready to awaken to your divine and true potential? Tune in to a Spirited Exchange Radio with me, Carrie Kadambi, every second and fourth Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. We discuss the evolution of the modern mind and how the power of awakening, healing, and connecting allows us to step into living a life of love in action. For more information about me, visit TheDivineGuidanceGift.com. A word of caution, if you prefer the status quo and you are not interested in improving every aspect of your life, this book will trigger the shift out of you. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens is available now. Author Colette Steffen brings the powerful knowledge and life-changing energy and empowerment from the radio airwaves to the pages of her new book. To get your copy in paperback or ebook, visit thetruthisfunny.com today. Are you ready to branch out? Take a leap of faith. Tune in to Get Rooted Radio with Erica Gifford-Mills on TransformationTalkRadio.com to equip, empower, and enlighten yourself. Erica will energize and excite you to power up your passionate dream that sets your soul on fire. So get fearlessly ready and get powerfully rooted in your yes to live it up, love it up, and let it go. Visit GetRootedRadio.com. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tuning us in and turning us on. Hey, like I said before, you know, sometimes we write a book and then sometimes we write a book. And that's what Paul, Paul Wheaton has done. Building a better world in your backyard instead of being angry at bad guys. Um, but this book, outside of what we were chit-chatting about in the first half of the show, we're going to really dig deeper into the book. First of all, you know, why this book is called for in the day and age we live in. And really the solutions, you know, Paul, that you've put in here are really solutions about how to create a better future, how to feel secure. And I love what you said earlier, uh, because you're right. Anytime that you know, and I go back to the purple people eater days, purple paper eater days, and that was way back. That was in 86, I think. And honestly, anything about recycling, people would throw you out of their offices. And so we are in a different day and age, but we really do have to make a change. Tell us about how your book and what you're doing in the world, how you're helping people make that change. I, I think one thing is, is that when it comes to like the purple paper eater today, people do care. It's just that they, everything they've been told, they're kind of got an eye of skepticism towards it because it's like, oh, I've heard about that. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to understand which things are the things that are the strong wind, and which things are not. Um, <clears throat> I kind of feel like within all of the book, um, I, I'm going to speculate. So, for example, when you read it, would you say that that there was 10% uh, of the stuff in the book was stuff that you had heard about? Does that sound about right, or would it? Am I off a bit? No, that's about right. I mean, I, I think I had heard about some of it, but not quite in the way you talk about it. Okay, so I kind of feel like a lot of the stuff I talk about is stuff that doesn't come with an advertising campaign. No one gets rich on this right. idea. In right. fact, if anything, it kind of cuts into the profits of somebody. And so there's no reason for anybody to talk about it. So um, one, I want to throw out one thing. And I kind of alluded to it a moment ago. Sure. I want to throw it out there because I do believe it's something that's probably one of the biggest items in the book. I know it's the thing that I'm asked about the most. And I'm guessing that 90% of your audience has never heard of it before. And that is a rocket mass heater. Yeah. No, they and, haven't. They haven't. It, the funny thing is, is that when I sent the book to somebody for a review, back when we were in the state of uh, beginning the editing process of the book, they wrote back and they said they hated it because it advocated a rocket mass heater, which clearly uses fossil fuels. <laughs> and I, and I kind of like, Clearly, you didn't read the book because a rocket mass heater is a wood-burning heater. And then uh, I think a lot of the moment you hear that it's a wood-burning heater, then you're thinking, oh, well, we got rid of all of those because of the smoke. And it's like, well, that was a very good choice. Now let's imagine that we're going to, to use the wood as fuel and we're going to use the smoke as fuel. So now we're going to heat a home with one-tenth the wood. And you might think like, well, that's one-tenth the smoke, right? Actually, it's closer to one one-thousandth of the smoke. The smoke is about the equivalent of burning a candle. So it's, it's an extremely clean system. And in fact, it's far cleaner 
than nearly anything that's on the end of your wire today. So now you're in Seattle. Yeah. And um, uh, for a while, when I was a youngster, I worked as a librarian at the Northwest Power Planning Council, which governs the power that you use, which is dominantly hydro. Have you done a show on the environmental disaster behind hydro? Yes, I have. I've done a number of them. And uh, uh, what we found is we can't get many people to talk about them here much. This is really (laughs) part of a bigger conversation, right? So you understand what happens when people go underground? Oh, uh, under underground, like in caves. What are we talking about? Yeah, like they might as well be in a cave. Um, but they you, get blackballed you, or something. Well, they just don't. For some some reason, we're not quite as vocal as we used to be. I mean, you know, this is what I was saying to you earlier about a green channel. When we went out to people, you know, the first thing they asked us, Paul, was, "Are we going to be restricted from what we say?" And we said, no, we're not a mega media corporation. No, you're going to be able to say what you want, but we're kind of a positive network. So you're not going to be able to badmouth other people and slander them. So no, you're not going to do that. But why do you think you got the resistance you did on this? Because what I'm hearing you say is, all right, here it is. It's in your book. And people are like, oh, no, that's no, we can't have that, Paul. If it was any good, then there would be advertising for it. If it was true, then I would know about it already. Yeah. Um, and and it's kind of like, uh, how did how did those little fidget spinners get to be so well known? I mean, when I say fidget spinner, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but you didn't hear about a rocket mass heater until you read my book. And so how is it you didn't already know about that, which has been around for a, at least a decade. And so it's, it's, it's the same kind of thing. There was nobody marketing it. There was nobody selling a rocket mass heater because it's kind of a do-it-yourself thing right now. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I do hope that we're going to see a lot more. I know that there's a lot more happening right now in the field of, of uh, uh, many of the components being standardized and UL listed and and being sold by companies as a shippable product and things of that nature. But it's it's like it's growing quickly right now. The well, I was on your website, uh, richsoil.com, R-I-C-H-soil.com, and you explain it beautifully here. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I mean, think... I had a lot of questions about it until I went to this site. Well, and, and so let's talk for a moment about why should we care about what a rocket mass heater is? And that yeah, is that our... Our average footprint, the average adult footprint in the United States for carbon is 30 tons. And then when you buy a Tesla, then you have just reduced your carbon footprint by two tons. And if you live in a cold climate and you switch from electric heat to a rocket mass heater, you've reduced your carbon footprint by 27 tons. Mm. So far more than that Tesla choice. Um, and so then that's that's the reason why I think it's good to learn more about a rocket yeah. mass heater. Now, when we start talking about like, okay, your number one impact on your carbon footprint is your heat choice. Then the first thing that people think is, is like, 
I'm not turning the heat down any lower. I'm cold enough as it is. I've right. sacrificed as much as I'm going to sacrifice. Right. That's where I kind of get into the space of like, let me make your life far more luxuriant and good for the environment. And so let me introduce not only the rocket mass heater, but I introduced two other ways to come up with heat and to, to provide it so you can have more heat at less cost. And so uh, I think that that's kind of what the book is all about. Do you remember all three ways to, to for heat? That's, well, I, I, mean, I got to tell you, I, the thing that I really was like, wow, uh, you talk about it working under a wood floor. And I was like, oh, wow. I mean, that was my wow moment right there. You know, I mean, Doesn't that was it, just one of them, but I'm, I would, yeah, that was I'm why. I'm sure you've stood on a, a floor where it was heated and when like, oh, this my friend, is yeah, nice. My, yeah, my friend, totally, I have, believe it or not, I have a couple of friends that their apartment buildings they built were all above green, what the green standard and the floors, right? But this, what you talk about here in the book, and your book is, has much more than just this. So I just want to say right. that to people. Oh, yeah. Um, but this really got my attention for a number of reasons. First of all, as I said before, if, if everybody goes to richsoil.com, you're going to be able to see the entire story of this. You know, you did a massively good job at this. I mean, you really did. I mean, when I went here, I didn't expect to get this much information. Uh, but then that's you, Paul, right? I mean, uh, that's I you. I am obsessed with getting the information about this stuff no. out to people that solves the problems. <clears throat> so permies.com. You're really good about it, though. See, what I love about the book. So the book is an extension of what I'm about to say. All right. You, you can talk to people and you communicate this message to people better than most people I've interviewed in 16 years. Wow. And the reason you. is... I'm seriously about it. And your book is an extension of that because when I looked at the book, first of all, right away, I was all about, can I just say this? I know you're going to die if I say this. <laughs> when I looked at one of the chapters and I read attack of something that is so near and dear to me, attack of the pizza box, <laughs> I thought I got to talk to this guy. Linda says, you know, you want to interview Paul? I said, oh my God, I got to talk to him. Now, look, I eat pizza without the box, but you see, <laughs> this is the way you're communicating, right? See, this True. is the level by which you need to do more of this because we need to know this information, Paul. We have I to know it so we can change. I hope in the book I don't say you need to do this. I think I think what I tried to do in the book is to say, let me show you an alternative, and then you pick. You you pick your own path. Yeah. I I think that I want everybody. I want to I want to share these ideas, and then I want because I because that's another thing too is I kind of feel like there are more people who don't care about the environment than there are people that do care about the environment. But I would yeah. like to also get help from the people who don't care about the environment and their motivation yeah. set is going to be completely different. Yeah. And so I want them to buy that pizza. I want them to enjoy the most luxuriant life for them, which is going to include ordering pizza and having it delivered at home. And so it's like, okay, 
Let's embrace that that's their most luxuriant uh, world. Now I can talk about how to have an even more luxuriant world in that there is somebody living in their home that loves to make pizza and all the ingredients are already there. And now they don't want to order it. They prefer to eat the pizza that's made in the house. But let's say that they're ordering the pizza. What do we do at the pizza box? It's not recyclable. It's got grease on it. And then they don't take that. And so it's kind of like, all right, so what what can we do? That's that's part of where Come I want to go with the book. Come on, tell me. Because I'll tell you what my buddy did after reading your book. <laughs> what did he do? He built his own pizza box that he brings to the pizza people. And he says, I'm bringing my own box. You're going to put my pizza in my box. <laughs> and they are like, are you crazy, dude? And he said, no, nope. I'll be there early. Don't worry about it. I'll wait for my pizza. I have my own box. I want you to put the pizza in my box. That's what my buddy did. Um, and probably listening to this show. Uh, but for him to bang out a wood pizza box in like what? It takes him five minutes. For me, it would take me five <laughs> years. But but I think what you're doing is, and let me say this in a really, really kind way. I can't help my urge to want to say to everybody, wake up. I mean, that's just who I am. And, you know, when I talked about this, when we did our entire Go Green series, did about five years of it. I, I was great to have people come on with ideas. But when I see somebody throw up something out of their cars, I mean, I get like Godzilla. And, and maybe it's my early childhood experience of being in an environment where water was polluted. This is not too long ago. This is not sci-fi, Paul, right? I mean, I worked with the people to clean up the Hudson for a very personal reason. Did I, am I Greta? No, I'm a person that was personally affected by pollution, by uh, hospitals in New York City, dumping their carcinogenic, you know, needles and other things into the water. So it became personal for me and I never forgot that. So maybe I'm a little tainted. So you can invite people and then I could be your alter ego and say, <laughs> hey, everybody, agree with me. You need to change something. I think it's great that there are people that are saying, like, you know, that are, that are shaking team. their fist. That we are, they're like, team. well, okay. Um, <laughs> be the bad but no, your book doesn't say cop. that. Your book doesn't no. say that. And I want to be very clear about that. Um, that's why I love Paul's book. Because, Paul, what you've done here is, and we're going to talk about a couple of other things. Benny, I think you figured out we're not going to break. Um, we're going to talk <laughs> about some of these. You're, you've taken something that in any other environment, Paul, and for those of you, how do people get the book? Let's start there. Because I don't want it to go through a whole hour and not tell people how to get the okay. book. Okay. Uh, the best way is to go to permies.com slash BWB, Better World Book. So permies.com is our permaculture community. These are permaculture enthusiasts they refer to themselves as permies and uh uh you know so permies.com slash bwb that's the best way to get the book and i tried to write the book in such a way that it's that that i believe most people that read the book will have not bought the book they will have received the book as a gift from somebody else 
And so we, we wrote it in that way. And so we've got a way, we're selling them by the dozen. So people can give them away in an effort to try to change things, to mm -hmm. try to, and, and so we do, we get a lot of people buying them by the dozen to give to people that they know. You don't have to give it to an environmentalist. It's designed to be given to anybody. I honestly hope that we get the book into the brains of a hundred million people. And I have no idea how to do that. Well, and can I help? Can I, yes. do I need your permission to do this. And Zach, Zach, you're listening, right? Um, I want your permission to be able to have access to your images and your information about the book, because we want to help you. I want to post it on our websites and in social media along with this interview. But most importantly, I, I love the idea of pay it forward. We've been doing paying it forward for almost, wow, since we did the first show. And so we want to make sure people know exactly what you're talking about. You know, for those of you out there, if you go to this website, right, and you look at this, you'll see you can get 12 gift codes, you can get 100 gift codes. But the idea is you can pay this forward in ebook form to people you know. And I think that's how you create a movement and an initiative. And there are other things. Uh, did you do the audiobook yourself? No, a lot of people really wanted me to, but I kind of felt like we needed to hurry and get it out okay. there. Okay. So we hired a professional to do it. Okay. So we want to help you with this and pass the word because it is that kind of book that I think can change things. True. I, I agree. I, I, think that, um, I, I think that if people even only read half of the book, or even a, a few chapters, I think it would have a lot of change, provided that enough people read it. Well, I want to go down a couple of things in here so people get a sense of really what's in here. One of the things I was really struck by is, you know, I got I kind of reminded myself of, wait a minute, remember when all I did was use, um, when I cooked, right? Mm -hmm. You know, how about using cast iron and I remember a day then that was all I had cast iron right um or by the way how about look we're all getting ready to garden you know there are some things I use in my garden that are natural but people don't know them so I like what you wrote here this, this is the flavor of the book Benny bug killer you can eat <laughs> See, I think that's why this that's why that's why I want to help people find out more about this right because the way you go about this and the way you talk about this is as, as if you're in somebody's mind, right? These are conversations that I've had um, hundreds of times. Each, each topic is, is 100 conversations. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of feel like uh, in time, you have the conversation enough times, you you're optimize your conversation a little bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm used to saying bug killer you can eat because I'm talking about diatomaceous earth. In fact, you do eat it already anytime you eat any kind of bread. Yeah, and I, I really latched on to a clever recipe for more luxurious living at half the cost. <laughs> you know, what's weird is that when environmentalists stand up and they talk about how we need to fix the environment, they tend to meet like the things that they talk about to fix the environment, even if they're going to be yelling at politicians or whatever, everything that they talk about seems weak to me. 
But you know what? There's one thing that I think would be really great to hear them say is, I would like to find ways to encourage more people to have a little bit of a garden, yeah. just like a little bit of a vegetable garden, a little yeah. bit of a food garden. Uh, maybe it's, if you're not into eating your vegetables, perhaps you like eating some fruits, you know? How about an apple tree? You know what? Every time you buy an apple, it comes with five free apple trees right in the core. Just go stick those in the dirt and boom, baby, free apples. Yeah. I, you know, I tell you, this book, reading this book reminded me of my family. You know, my dad, my dad, my uncle, you know, they all came over. They all had gardens. My uncle had a fantastic garden in the Bronx, mind you. I mean, he literally had one of these railroad houses, like, where everybody's, like, stacked together. But his entire backyard was filled with pear trees and fruit. I mean, it was just, and I got to tell you something, <laughs> the precision and the look of this garden, it's better than any $100 manicure, right? I don't get those, but it's better than it. But you see, I forgot about that until I read your book, Paul. I kind of wonder if people, when people think of a garden that they visited, is it possible that that's some of their favorite memories? Oh, God, yeah, it is mine. I mean, it brought me back to thinking about my uncle. We worked sure. so hard on having a beautiful aesthetic in our home. I, I kind of feel like uh, landscaping is oftentimes without any food in the system. It's, it's like, mm -hmm. what's something that looks nice and appealing to the eye mm -hmm. for my neighborhood and my house. And I, and I, I think it would be so exciting if it had more uh, food in the system. Yeah. I have to say, there are so many things in this book, everybody, that I, there's something here for everybody. I just need to say that. I, even Linda, right? My best friend, Linda, something here. So we're going to take this book to her brother. But the thing that I want to talk about, and I only have a few minutes left here, the idea of clean water is really important to me. Now, I must have been tainted. Maybe it was like during my homeless days. Um, I, I don't know what it is that has this sort of at the top of my list. I, I really don't know how that has become a thing for me. But can you talk about that? Because water, water, water consumption, my gosh. But I learned even in the state I live in, the water that I'm drinking might not be so great. But you have a chapter, or at least you talk about this, about water. Can you talk about, from your perspective, the water thing? Wow, I'm not sure which water thing uh, you're thinking about. We got three but... minutes, so you pick. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, all right. I would have to say that uh, one quick thing that anybody can do, including apartment dwellers, which I think is an excellent example from the book and involves water. In fact, this is the best thing you can do to reduce your hot water consumption. And that is to go poolless. And I wish I had made up that word, but actually there's like probably a, uh, uh, 10 million people out there that are currently poolless and somebody else made up the word and I only heard about it later. Um, and when I first heard about it, I thought, I don't think so. Um, and then it took years until I actually tried it for myself. It's no, no soap or shampoo in the shower. So then mm -hmm. you have less toxins going into your wastewater, but more mm -hmm. 
importantly, you're putting less toxins on yourself. You're saving money because you're not buying it so much. And it's more luxuriant because your skin and your hair after one week end up being far more luxuriant um, and uh, thicker, wow. thicker, longer, richer, more beautiful, more magnificent hair. Um, but the other thing is, is that the typical American shower is seven and a half minutes. And then when you go down this road, it's generally a little over a minute. Mm -hmm. So your showers are shorter, not because you're trying to sacrifice, but because it's just more luxuriant. You're, you stayed, you, you dilly-dallied in the shower and now you're bored. Now you can even sleep in an extra five minutes if you want. You don't need as much time in the shower. More luxuriant that way. More money in your pocket because you're not buying that stuff to smear all over yourself. Mm. Now, all sorts of people have done it and had great results. One of the things I share in the book is a story that I got because I put it in my podcast and then a guy heard the podcast and he wrote to me, he had daily migraines for decades mm -hmm. uh, to the point where at least once a week he would either black out or vomit or both. Wow. And uh, he went poolless and the migraines went away in three days. Mm -hmm. And wow. uh, then he was like, not sure if that was the connection or not. So he tried the shampoo again and that within an hour, the migraine was back. Wow. So it has a health impact. Wow. So, wow, Paul, I can't, I, I mean, honestly, thank you for being so tolerant of me today, for sure. Um, and thank you for bringing this conversation to the conventional, away from the conventional conversation to the contemporary conversation that is important for us to have. I hope you'll come back because I didn't even get to half of the stuff I wanted to, <laughs> to talk to you about, especially the eco on the label that is also Gee, we forgot to mention carcinogen. Greenwashing. Yeah. yeah. I hope you'll come back. But before we go, how do people get the book? How do we pay this forward? Uh, permies.com slash BWB. It is a small book. It's only like 160 pages. And so it's a quick and easy read. The audio book I I love it. is only five hours, five and a half hours, I think. Yeah. Um, it's a quick read. And we tried to make it dense and quick. Yeah. How do we listen to your podcast? Uh, I guess you put in my name and podcast into Google. I, I'm not sure what the URL is. It's out there. We've you know got what? like 400. I think we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to have Jessica call you so we can see if we can pick up your podcast. Oh, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I need to learn a new way to get this message out there. Maybe you can help me. Um, Maybe you can help me. I, I feel like our community is 1.8 million people per month, so that's pretty strong. Mm -hmm. But I am trying to think of, like, how do I go from 1.8 million to 100 million? And I don't know the answer to that. Let's, that's let's, beyond let's my Let's get abilities. together and do some collaborating. Let's see if we can help you on this. Because I, I really have been less than, hmm, <laughs> vigilant on my passion about the earth and what I can do. I hope so I can thank rekindle, you. rekindle that passion. I, you I already love. have, you already okay. have. I'm trying to get my buddy to do a pizza box for me. I'm not kidding. <laughs> that is yeah. brilliant. I love that idea of the- Yeah, he's you... actually making a new version of it. I'm not sure why he changed it. I think he's using cedar. <laughs> um, I, I'm not sure how he's doing it, but he's trying to be, I mean, this has now become an obsession, right? Okay. And I would so advise he... against cedar, but yeah. there are... Yeah, yeah, I told him don't do cedar. Yeah. Um, 
but maybe you can uh, tell us uh, mm -hmm. after we meet separately what to use. Paul Wheaton, everybody. 